This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. In Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falahadiyalah. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله وصفيه من خلقه وخليله أرسله الله إلى الناس كافة بشيرا ونذيرا فبلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فصلوات الله وسلامه عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اهتدى بهديه ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أحبتي في لا أوصيكم نفسي بتقوى الله والإحسان فإن الله مع الذين تقوا والذين هم محسنون my brothers and sisters, I start by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thanking Him, for He is indeed deserving of our constant gratitude. And I send blessings and salutations upon our beloved Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Insha'Allah ta'ala, what I want to talk to you about today is how do we measure success? And to truly understand what is success and who is the successful person. And to do that, as Muslims, we always have to go back to who does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consider the person that succeeded and who does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consider the person that didn't succeed. And this is very important because most of the times, the way we look at the world, the way we look at ourselves and the people around us is from a worldly perspective. Today, if you see someone that is homeless or wandering around and has no home, this is not something that you would consider to be success. If you see someone that is very poor, that needs a hand out, handouts, someone that is struggling financially, someone that is deported, generally this is something you don't associate success with. But then, the most successful human beings to have ever lived were in poverty. Sometimes they were kicked out of their own homes, out of their own towns and cities. They were deported. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala considers them the most successful people that walked on this earth. We consider them the most successful people that walked on this earth. My brothers and sisters, I'm talking about the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most of them were not people that were considered successful in a worldly way. 
Rasulullah like you know, would struggle financially. Two months would go by and they would not even have a cooked meal in his house. He would be in such a state where they would have to tie rocks against their stomachs to fool themselves that they're full because they didn't have anything to eat. If you look at Ibrahim and how his father kicked him out of his house, how he had to go and walk in the desert, and you look at all these great messengers, if we looked at them the way we look at each other and how we measure success today, we wouldn't consider them to be successful. This is why today many of us, if we tell them, MashaAllah, this young man has memorized the Quran cover to cover, but he works in the Morrisons. And this young man has a degree in this and this. He is a doctor. A lot of times you might gravitate towards the one that is successful in the worldly matter. But that shouldn't be the case. Now, am I trying to say to you, let's not excel in dunya and in worldly matters in our education and in our work? No, we should excel because Allah loves those who excel in everything. But when we are measuring success, we should keep in mind what is success regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah taught us the keys and the secrets to true falah and foes success in Surah Al-Asr. And inshallah ta'ala, I want to go through the surah with you today. A very short surah. Most of us, if not all of us, have memorized it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wal Asr. Allah swears by the time. And generally speaking, when someone swears an oath, if I say to you, Wallahi, whatever is going to follow that oath is something that I'm trying to emphasize. Something that is, I find it to be a great deal of importance or else I wouldn't swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And الله, we shouldn't take Allah's name in vain and just swear on things that are not important or subhanAllah even worse, lie. So generally speaking, the adab and the manners we should have with regards when we say wallahi, don't use it unless it's necessary. Only swear by Allah's names for if you do otherwise, you fall into shirk. And also... If you're going to swear by Allah's name, let the statement you're going to say be truthful. Let the statement that you're going to say be truthful. For those who swear by Allah and then lie have not understood the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when our creator Allah swears, and he, he can swear with whatever creation he wills, and whichever creation Allah swears by in the Quran, it shows a great deal of honor in that creation. Allah says, I swear by the time. Time that we are losing. Time that we not have enough of. So many years wasted. So many hours gone by. Have we used it correctly, efficiently, the way we should? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, mankind is in loss. Indeed, mankind is in loss. The greatest thing you can lose is Allah's pleasure with you and Jannah. And many will lose that because of how they behave or are in this world. And those who win, those who succeed, are those that get to go to Jannah. May Allah make us of those. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us four things in the surah. 
Four qualities, if you have, you will be among the successful. And this is why we should listen. And Imam al-Shafi'i said, if he were to pay attention to this surah, wal-asr, and act upon it, and understand it, he said, لَكَفَتْهُمْ It would have been enough. There are enough lessons, enough benefits in this short chapter that it should have been enough only if we pondered. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the first key to success, the first secret to true success. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا All of mankind is in loss except, except those who have iman, those who believe. Iman ahibati fillah. To believe in Allah. To believe in His Messenger. To believe in the world of the unseen. Especially during times where belief and faith has become very difficult. And the Prophet has warned us there will be a time where one of you being connected to his faith, holding on to his belief and iman, will be like holding on to a burning coal. There are so many doubts being showered upon us. We have to stay firm and believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you for your belief and your iman. Never waver. And remember, your belief increases and decreases depending on your worship. So if you feel like your iman is low, then what lifts up your iman is to worship more. And you can never worship Allah enough. Always work on your iman. Take care of your iman. And you do it, surround yourself by people that remind you of good. And amazingly enough, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this very surah, these four keys to success or secrets to success that Allah is teaching us, they depend on one another. For Allah tells you have iman. Then... We say, okay, but how do we take care of our iman and make sure it increases? Allah tells you how. And do righteous actions. The more you do righteous actions, the more your iman increases. So, it is with your belief you will enter into Jannah. For Allah has promised those who have true belief and iman, they will eventually definitely end up in Jannah. So this is the blessings of iman. Allah promises in the Quran, those who have Iman, that Allah will give them a good life. A promise of Allah, Allah will give you a good life. If you have Iman, Allah promises you two things. If you have them, nothing else will ever matter. Allah says, those who have Iman, and they do not they do not mix their iman or taint their iman with zulm, with oppression. And of course, falsehood. And there's no greater falsehood and oppression than shirk and kufr and disbelief. So those who have true iman and they do not taint their iman with shirk and disbelief and doubts and falsehood, Allah said, I promise them, Amn, ulaika lahumul amn. They will have safety and security. And they will be guided. Safety and security doesn't only mean in this world. 
Allah will keep you safe from falling into shirk. Allah will keep you safe from falling into bid'ah. Allah will keep you safe from falling into falsehood. And in akhirah, Allah will keep you safe from falling into the hellfire. What more do you want? Allah said that I will guide them. They will be guided in this world to the straight path. They will be guided to the sunnah. They will be guided to tawheed and la ilaha illallah. And when they die, they will be guided to al-jannah. This is what you get from iman. So, the first key to success is to have iman. How do you work on your iman? Who do you believe in Allah? Do you want your belief in Allah to increase? Get to know Allah with knowledge of the ilm. Learn his names and attributes. Learn what he's owed and what his rights are. The more you know Allah, the more your belief in him will increase. The more you would want to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those who truly know Allah, they worship him. And they know him and they fear him and they hope in his mercy. So, the first key to success is belief in Allah, true Iman. And this Iman, it can increase or decrease depending on your worship. And with this Iman, you will be given safety and security and guidance. And with this Iman, Allah will give you a good life. And you work on this Iman through knowledge and seeking ilm. And, the, and there is nothing greater than Allah. Allahu Akbar. And there's nothing greater than learning about Allah with regards to knowledge. No knowledge is greater. The second secret to success. الصالحات, and do righteous actions. We're talking about those who will not lose. Those who will succeed are those who have iman. Allah says, and do righteous actions. A'mal صالحة. Some of the scholars, they say, Allah says, وَعَمِلُوا صَالِحَاتِ Those who do a few good deeds. Because صَالِحَات is جَمْعُ قِلَّةِ It doesn't mean a lot. Because Allah has so much mercy on us, He doesn't want us to do so much. This is why, if the person only sticks with that which is obligatory upon him, he will go to Jannah. If you only do the fard, the wajib, you will go to Jannah. And there is a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a man approached him and asked him, what must I do? And the Prophet said, upon you is five daily prayers. And he said, do I have to do more than that? The Prophet said, no, illa an unless you want to do more voluntary and you want more reward. And he said, I won't do that, I'll just do the five. And then he said, do I have to do anything else? And the Prophet said to him, yes, there is a charity that you must pay a mandatory zakat. And he said, do I, must, do I have to give more? The Prophet said, no, except if you want more reward and you're doing extra. He said, I won't do that. I'll just do the zakat. And then he asked, Ya Rasul, is there anything else I must do? And he said, yes, you must fast one month in the year, Ramadan. And he said, do I have to fast any more than that? No, unless, of course, you want more reward. He said, I won't do that. I'll just do Ramadan. And then after the Prophet ﷺ went through the, the uh, pillars of Islam and the things the person must do, this, this Sahabi, who was a Bedouin Sahabi, he said, I swear by Allah, I will not decrease from that, nor will I increase in it. I will just do the obligation. And the Prophet ﷺ in one riwayah said, if any one of you want to look at a person that will go to Jannah, let him look at that man. 
another riwayah the Prophet said, Aflaha in Sadaq. He is successful. He has succeeded if he is truthful in his statement that he will only stick with the obligations. Now, of course, there is a level beyond that. And that level beyond that is those who add on to the obligations. They do the sunnah prayers. They do the sunnah fasts. They do the recommended. And they seek Allah's pleasure through not just the obligations, but also the recommended acts as well. The point I'm trying to make is five daily prayers is something all of us here can do. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have never made something obligatory upon us that we cannot do. La yukallifu Allahu nafsan illa wus'aha. Another important point that must be made is Allah said, they do righteous actions. Righteous actions, good deeds. What is considered a good deed within Islam? You must have two things. If the action that you're doing is going to be considered righteous, good, there must be two things present. The first one is al-ikhlas. Sincerity. Every single act of worship you do, must be done only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason you're doing it must be to seek the pleasure and the rida of Allah. The reason you must doing it is to get rewards from Allah and nothing else. There must be no worldly benefit connected to it. Initially, if you're praying so that your father can be happy with you, this is incorrect. Pray because Allah told you to do so. If you're praying because it's embarrassing, everyone else is praying, then that prayer will not be accepted. This is riyah. If you're doing it to show off or you're doing it to please others, this is not accepted. Every act of worship is something between you and your creator that you do for Allah. And this is why, my brothers and sisters, ask yourself this. How many acts of worship do I do that only Allah knows about? It is a problem if it's saying every single worship that you do is known to others. Is there anything that you do that only Allah knows about, that you haven't told anyone? Not your wife, not your children, not your neighbor, not the congregation. This is why, did you know there is more reward in praying the sunnah at home than in the masjid? There is more reward in praying the sunnah at home than in the masjid. And we should live in our homes with prayer. Now imagine someone wakes up for night prayer and no one knows about it. And he prays and only Allah sees him. There's no doubt this person is sincere. Who else is he doing it for if not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So, sincerity, ikhlas. And the other condition is that it has to be sawab. It has to be upon the sunnah, the mutaba'ah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We do not make our own actions up. We do not worship Allah the way we want. Allah sent us a messenger to teach us how to worship Him. So how we worship Allah, what we do, must be in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet. We follow Him in what He did and we can never exceed Him in worship. We can never do more than the Prophet did. Because He was a'badun nas, wa'akhshan nas, wa'atqan nas. He was the most fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He worshipped Allah more than anyone else could. So, we should follow in his footsteps. Indeed, within the Prophet lies a great and an excellent example. So, every single act of worship that you do, let it be sincerely for Allah alone. Let it be in accordance to the way of who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now we have two 
keys to success. Faith, Iman, and righteous actions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, uh, And whoever does righteous actions, male or female, while he has Iman, Allah I will give him a good life. May Allah make us those that have a good life in this world and the world to come. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us about the third thing. Everyone of all of mankind is in loss, except those who have iman, do righteous actions, and recommend one another the truth. Advise one another to the truth. What does this mean? To recommend one another, advise one another to the truth, is simply call to each other to that which is good, forbid one another from that which is wrong and haram and evil. And this is such an important aspect of our religion. We are not individualistic where we just focus on our own selves. The betterment of yourself. No, we work on the whole community. I want you guys to be able to tell me if I'm wrong and I should give you the same courtesy. And you need to remind me of good and I should do the same. And if we all did that, this would be, we would be a better community. What happens to us? You see a Muslim brother, a Muslim sister upon haram and falsehood. We walk by. We don't even have the courage to tell them sister, brother, and advise them. Allah is telling us, advise each other. Advise each other. Recommend one another to the truth. Call each other to the khair. If you know a brother or a sister that doesn't pray, and you're friends with them, and you don't remind them to pray, then something is wrong with you. If you know someone that is immersed in haram and you're friends with them or you know them and you never tell them that there is something wrong there. And perhaps on the day of judgment, they will be able to say, Oh Allah, I was with this person for such so long and so long and he never reminded me. And those of us that have been reminded and the friends that have approached you and called you to khair, then know this one is a true friend. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us an amazing story in the Quran about the Yehud of Banu Israel, the people of Musa alayhi salam. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited from them to go and fish on, uh, um, on Saturdays. And the whole week they were allowed, but on Saturdays they weren't. And Allah would test them, because on Saturdays it would be the best day to fish. Everything was available, they would be jumping up and down, and you could see them. Some of them, they tried to deceive the Prophet, and they try and they would bring out their nets on Fridays. And then... They would catch them and they would only collect them on Sunday. And then they would say, we haven't done anything on Saturday. And this kind of deception is not allowed in Islam. It's known as tahayul and it's not allowed. And who are you deceiving except yourself? Anyway, the story is very famous. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-A'raf that there were three types of people there. Those that transgressed, those that did the haram. They put the nets out even though they were not allowed. You had that group. And Allah tells us about the group that were so bothered by this, they spoke out against it. They spoke out against it. They tried to stop them. They recommended the truth. And then Allah tells us about a third category that were silent. They didn't speak out. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Allah tells us in the Quran 
uh, when a punishment came upon them, Allah said, and we saved those who were forbidding the evil. So we know that category were saved. Those who spoke out, they were saved. As for those who did the oppression, did the sin, they were punished. You know who has Allah did not talk about in this? Allah did not mention those who were quiet. Allah was, did not mention to us what happens. And scholars, they, they, they have, uh, they discuss this and they say, wait a minute, these people that were quiet, that didn't speak out, were they among those who were saved or among those who were punished? And the fact there is doubt whether they were in this side or that side is enough of evidence you should never be quiet. You'd rather be of those who speak out. Now, of course, there are certain adab and certain manners of calling to the truth, giving da'wah, forbidding uh, evil, and calling towards good. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran. Number one, you have to call people upon knowledge. You have to be able to tell them why it's haram. Who said it's haram? You have to be informed before you speak out. Upon knowledge. Also, not just knowledge, wisdom. Wisdom. You can't just go around if you're not using wisdom. Sometimes you're not supposed to be harsh. Sometimes you should be gentle. Perhaps others, you shouldn't be gentle, depending on the situation. But you should be more often gentle than harsh. You should be more often gentle than harsh. And the Prophet ﷺ recommended us that in our da'wah, I would say 99%, we should be always gentle. A few times when you're reprimanding someone, maybe you can be harsh, and that doesn't mean you use profanities or harsh words or make the person feel bad, but... Our deen is comprehensive and we use hikmah. Use hikmah. Wisdom. So knowledge, wisdom, and gentleness. This is what's needed in your da'wah. This is what's needed. And, subhanallah, if you know you speaking out might cause more harm, don't speak. Because you're supposed to rectify things, not make them worse. And if you know this person might not listen to you, then, and you're not the best person, then it shouldn't be about ego when perhaps there is a better person more equipped to handle this. All of this is part of hikmah and da'wah. If you know someone is older than you, and they might not listen to you because of your age, don't say, I don't care, I'm going to. No. Maybe you get someone that is of similar age, someone they respect. This is using hikmah. Sometimes the way you teach someone is not directly. Perhaps you can use an indirect manner. Maybe instead of talking to the person straight, maybe you can give them a book talking about it. Maybe you can recommend them a lecture to listen to. Maybe you can just be a really good friend. But be careful that you do not become the one that condones it or is okay with it. If you're friends with someone that doesn't pray for 10 years and you have never told him to pray or even tried to speak to him, and you say, I'm using hikmah. No, that's not hikmah. We have to recommend one another the truth. And of course, we do it based on the sunnah, based on ilm, knowledge, wisdom, good character, and loving khair for the other person. Loving khair. You know where this comes from? This urge that you want to tell other people good, forbid them from evil, it should come from a place of goodness in your heart. You want good for others. 
You have to have a heart that wants good for others. You will be more sincere. Have you noticed sometimes when someone speaks to you, that it, and it, so another person might say the exact same thing, but you're more gravitated towards this person, sometimes it's because, like the scholars say, it comes from the heart. So be someone that really wants good for others. The third key to success is what ahibbati fillah, recommending one another the truth, advising one another khair, being those that call towards good and are never silent. Unless perhaps it is the most wise decision to be silent. And there are obviously three uh, categories of calling towards khair and doing amal ma'roof. Inshallah ta'ala, aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisa'ir al-muslimina min kulli dhammir fastaghfiru inna wal ghafuru rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We mentioned that the third key to success is calling one another to khair and good. And we do that. If you can change the munkar with your hands, that is khair. If you cannot do that, then you speak out against it. If you can't do that, then perhaps the wisest thing the Prophet ﷺ said is that you dislike it in your heart. Never be okay with that which Allah is not okay with. And the final thing is to have patience. The, f the three things we mentioned earlier all require patience. To be strong in faith and iman requires sabr, especially in this day and age. This is why the Prophet gave the example of someone holding what? A burning coal. It requires patience. To be able to do righteous actions, wake up for the salah, fast a long day, do khair, it requires patience. To call others towards good, sometimes you, be, you might find it embarrassing. Sometimes you might not have the courage. Sometimes you might find it is going to make this situation awkward. It requires patience. All of the above-mentioned things require sabr, which is the fourth thing of to, that leads to success. Watawasa bi sabr, and they recommend one another to have patience with all these things. We should have sabr with regards to all the things that are wajib upon us. All the obligations, are, if they are difficult, have sabr and do them anyway. We should have sabr with regarding staying away from all the haram. Sometimes you're inclined to something that is haram. You want to do it. You have the desire to do it. Stop yourself. And you need patience for that. So Allah reward you for that patience as well. And we definitely need to have patience and sabr with regards to the calamities and difficulties we face in life. And they are from the qadr of Allah. These four, my brothers and sisters, are the keys and the secrets to true success. And this is how we should measure falah and success. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who are successful. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Allahumma gfir lana dhunubana. Allahumma rahamna. Wa'afu anna. اللهم إنك عفو تحب العفو فعفو عنا اللهم حبب لنا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره لنا الكفر والفزوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وأقيم الصلاة. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.